Hello and welcome to Her Ambitious Career, the success podcast for corporate women who want more from their lives and careers. Each week, we share career and leadership strategies to help you set stretching goals, own your value, build visibility and credibility, gain recognition, get paid and confidently take your career to that next level. Whatever your ambition, let's do this thing. Now, here's your host and career success expert, Rebecca Allen. Welcome on into episode six, where we're talking about how to manage burnout as the primary breadwinner. And my guest today is Sally McGrath from Health That Heals. And Sally's going to be sharing us some signs, some warning signs to identify burnout, and also giving us some tips to help us manage it when it rears its ugly head. So I look forward to seeing you inside. So ladies, we're so, so lucky today because we're joined by Sally McGrath, who is an outstanding health coach based here also in Sydney, where I am. And um, we're very lucky today because Sally's going to be talking to us about one of her specialities, which is burnout, which is something that I'm sure all of us can totally um, connect with and understand because I've certainly been through my own periods of uh, stress and sort of anxiety even as a result of burnout. So welcome, Sally, to today's interview. Thank you, Rebecca. Lovely to be with you. Lovely Lovely to be here too. Thank you. So we're going to be talking specifically um, in today's um, interview around this concept of burnout and how it can be of particular, uh, kind of a particular issue for women who are primary breadwinners. Um, and lots of our listeners are primary breadwinners and they have very specific kind of challenges that they face. So I thought it would be great to ask Sally her advice because she's absolutely expert in this space so that we can get some really practical tips today. So Sally, I wonder if you could just give us an overview of you like first and foremost about what burnout actually is. How would you define it? Sure. Thank you, Rebecca. Burnout as I, you know, by definition, I guess I'm, I'm going to start with the definition. So it's burnout is essentially a prolonged reaction to chronic job stress. Mm. Um, and it's characterized by three dimensions. So exhaustion, cynicism, and some feelings of reduced professional ability. So when you, um, as you've highlighted, these subjects about being burnout and the primary breadwinner, when you factor this in and then add in the other roles of primary breadwinner, mother, daughter, wife, partner, friend, carer in some cases, and then just general life, this this leads to um, complete overwhelm and exhaustion. So maintaining those roles indefinitely is just not realistic. As I've seen um, so frequently in primary breadwinners, before they know it, they're literally on the hamster wheel to the slippery slope into burnout. Mm. And I I say this from um, first-hand experience. I've been through burnout not once but twice. I didn't learn the first time. (laughs) Yes. But I certainly learned the second time. And even clients that I'm working with constantly I've identified that there are around 10 factors that these people, these, these women will, um, will experience. So um, I thought I'd just note those briefly and no, go please, through. Please, share the 10 with us. Sure. So the first one, um, and the one I think most women relate to immediately, is just exhaustion. They're constantly exhausted. No, matter of, no, no amount of sleep, I should say, 
tends to, you know, leave them waking, feeling refreshed. The second one is a lack of motivation and you do get to the point where even though you might love what you do, you just lose inspiration, you lose drive, you lose enthusiasm and that in itself creates a frustration because it's like I love what I do, I'm good at what I do but I've just got no interest in it. Yeah. So then it tends to lead to cognitive problems. So because the sleep is, is compromised, sleep, spirals into a stressful scenario when the body and the brain is ultimately stressed it doesn't function as as clearly and methodically as as it's designed to number four is your slipping job performance or for those that are self-employed you know business disinterest goes without saying really extra pressure just leads to distancing from important decisions because you just don't have that clear functionality you're constantly thinking, oh, get your act together, you can do this, you can do this, but the perpetual cycle of no sleep. Yes. And the body um, no. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Your body just stops. Mm. There also leads to interpersonal problems, both at home and at work or in the business, especially, you know, with staff. So your threshold is reduced because of the, the stress levels that you're um, experiencing. Mm. and therefore you just don't have the tolerance you don't have the patience and you start to you know depend on other people to support you and when they fall short of that it's just incredibly frustrating so um so that's another another part i find also i find being preoccupied with work when you're not at work so, and, and that being preoccupied, again, it leads into the not sleeping well. I yeah. find, you know, many of my clients, and I've certainly done it, you wake at 2, 3 in the morning. Yeah. Um, in a severe case, you tend to get up and work. Mm. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm, I was a big user of the 3am notebook yeah. and, you know, just getting those thoughts out and putting them on paper to try and get some level of sleep. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in the waking hours, you're just not present, are you? You're not able to be present because you're just exactly constantly elsewhere. Yeah, 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 totally. Then it can lead to complete frustration and cynicism and other negative emotions and thoughts. Yeah. It's like a spiral, isn't it? Absolutely, Rebecca. Yeah. yeah, a complete spiral. So, and and even the smallest challenge, for example, you know, someone cancels a meeting and they need to reschedule it. Just getting your head around. When am I going to put this in? I haven't got time for this. Just get on with it. Keep yeah. going. Yeah, it just becomes completely overwhelming and you just face, rather than facing things with a clear mind and calmly, it's just like, oh, it's all too much. It's all too much. I think much. I can see that one in me also because I know that when I get irritated over tiny little things that really don't matter and ordinarily I wouldn't be bothered by, but that's the, definitely the time when my brain feels full you know, yeah. kind of just sort of reaching that saturation point and then little things just happen that you just tip you over the edge and you sort of exactly. you know, lose your temper or, you know, you find it just frustrating. Yeah, totally. And and often you'll find, you know, your, your explosive reaction towards silly things, which you would never do, normally Absolutely. do. So the other, the other element is number eight is not taking care of yourself. So I find, you know, that's a classic sign of, of the slippery slope to burnout so you know even a simple example you've washed your hair that day and it's like oh this is an effort you know now I've got to wash it I've got to dry it I've got to 
um, and that seems to take you know longer than normal and it's just all an effort so even those you've got a meeting at 9 a.m you still want to look good for your meeting <laughs> exactly 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 so and then of course um decreased general satisfaction everything there's yeah. no joy there's no level of excitement um everything is just dull flat line and it's like it, it's all an effort I think the thing that's interesting about that is I think when you're in that space and you're yeah everything's an effort it's sort of not a spontaneous thing and joy should be one of those things that just happens sort of spontaneously fun and you know joy and I think I definitely recognize that one too in me because I am quite a joyful kind of quite light-hearted person most of the time yeah I definitely notice when I'm feeling kind of overworked and pressured that that stuff slips and that's the stuff that I really love and that's what makes me me <laughs> so it kind of really affects your personality but honestly yes it does it does it, it really affects your personality as you say well said Rebecca yeah um personal experience again <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I hear you yep. and, and the sad thing is you start resenting that all those elements that yes. contribute to a joyful life yeah which is which is just so sad and you might even see it in other people and kind of feel jealous even of what they're experiencing how are they able to do that so easily when i'm feeling this way yes yeah that's interesting and then what's the last one sally and the last one is overall health problems so right. what you tend to find your immune system's compromised you don't have the um, resilience health wise that you would normally have frequent ailments you know colds flus that linger right. often outbreaks with skin rashes in it, depending on your, your body type and metabolism, it could be extreme weight loss or weight gain, just depending on how you react to stress. Mm. Um, and, and what makes me really sad is that when that leads to um, more severe illnesses, so chronic fatigue and um, adrenal failure or adrenal fatigue, I should say, so which is not digestion problems, you know, if you're kind of, you know, stewing a lot and feeling yeah. quite stressed, presumably yeah. that would also impact the gut. And yes. Well, inflammation is at an all-time high, so definitely it's going to impact um, the gut, as you say, Rebecca. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So how would you say, Sally, that burnout impacts sort of soul or primary breadwinners sort of even more sort of deeply than, you know, everybody else? There's a lot of pressure, I think, especially on women when they're the primary bread, breadwinners. Um, sorry, that's that's a mouthful when you try and say. Yeah, it. I know, I can't <laughs> say it. <so. laughs> breadwinner, <laughs> primary breadwinner. So there, there is um, because it's more to there's more to it than just earning the money. Yeah. What I've found is that because too there is a rise in, in single parenting, there is extended pressure there, and obviously single parents, you know, looking after a child, keeping a home. There's additional pressures on, on those particular households. And I think, too, when you look at a, a nuclear family, there's pressures there as well because there are, you know, there's two parents, so there are pressures there on, okay, who does, who does what in the house? I'm the primary breadwinner. Yeah. Um, the other partner might work. Clearly their contribution financially is less so. So mm. I think that's where there really needs to be clear boundaries and clear communication to set those boundaries yeah to determine who does what and and constantly checking in on that because what I find is if, if that communication isn't streamlined and consistent and checking in resentment builds and there's a strain on the relationship right so 
I think, too, there, there are three key factors that are associated with burnout specifically in primary breadwinners, and, and I've highlighted these. Parenting your partner is, is one. Can you explain that? Yes, absolutely. So the, the, um, the partner may start to feel like the extra child. Right. Uh, and, and this is where I go back to setting firm boundaries and having those conversations on, okay, what, what are you going to look after and what am I going to look after outside our working lives as far as keeping the household running? I found if there's no support with household chores, children's drop-offs, pickups, you know, organising play dates, the, you know, those things that are integral for a child's development start to become points of arguments if, you know, if they're not picked up by, you know, in this case, I'm using, I'll use an example of the, um, the male partner being at home more frequently or being, you know, not the primary breadwinner. Yeah. And I find that there is a tipping point. So which, which will lead to an explosive outburst, there's no doubt about it. Mm. So as I say, it's just important, so important, I can't stress it enough, to have those conversations and set boundaries yeah. and almost splitting the job roles at home. And I think the um, earlier you do that, the better. I mean, in my experience, yeah. the values and boundaries, the longer you leave those things, it just becomes so difficult to then have that conversation because you've sort of set the bar. You've said this is okay, this behaviour is all right. And you've accepted it, and in their mind, it's okay, right? It sort of seemed to be this is acceptable, yeah. Um, because you've not pushed back. So, in my experience, like the, the earlier you do that, almost the better yeah. you have those conversations up front. Definitely, definitely, highly, highly recommend that. And um, regularly, also, right? I mean, you can't just sort of have those conversations and then not speak again about it for three months. Absolutely, no. They need to, <laughs> yeah. They need to be organic and flowing, and that's why I say checking in. You know, it might be weekly, it might be not necessarily a fixed time, it might be when something falls over. That's generally when there's a time to talk. It's like, well, why did that happen? Let's fix it. Who's going to manage that in going forward? Yeah. And then the second one, Rebecca, is being, ex uh, being expected to pay for everything. Right. And I extended on that as to who controls the money and the finances. Once again, it, it is a very personal scenario and, and I think also due to the earning power of, in this case, the female and the primary breadwinner, there is an expectation for her to, um, to pay for everything and, you know, out, being out socially, you know, she pays and leaves groceries, school fees, you name it, um, yeah. all those things that go into a, a household budget and... I think if the part, if the other partner is earning a salary, then it ne there needs to be either combination or, or a, yeah, a combination of income, mm. and then split according to household budgets. And as I said, if they're not working, then it needs to be split two ways. To or you know, the, the heavier weighting is to the stay-at-home parent. Right. I think again, this comes back to money mindset and how the individuals have been taught to manage money and finances. And again, it, there is no way around it. There needs to be in sometimes a harsh but confronting conversation to yeah. be had and an agreement, not, and not in a disrespectful way, just in a way that how are we going to make this work? This is our situation. And I think, I think for the woman, she needs to be a bit vulnerable and say, this is how I feel. I feel like I'm always paying right. and I accept 
my income is more than yours or, you know, you don't have an income. But I think that needs to be what I call aired, aired and shared. Mm. So there is an understanding and a respect mm. of, of that primary breadwinning position. I'd be interested in your um, experience, Sally, because I've coached a number of women who are sole breadwinners, so they're single parents, um, and also ones who are the primary um, breadwinner. And the thing that I hear fairly often is this concept of the partner or the man or the lady, if you're in a you know, same-sex relationship, them having steam issues, if you like, as well, mm. because they're not the primary breadwinner. And that can cause a kind of another level of stress where you're also having to deal with the emotions and kind of um, esteem and the confidence of the partner on top of everything else. You've also got to manage that. I mean, I know in a lot of these relationships, that isn't an issue as well. And the, the partner is actually very comfortable not being the primary breadwinner. But there are certainly examples when that's not the case. And I think that definitely adds a whole other challenge and sort of a level of guilt almost to the person who is earning, mm. you know, the, the lion's share of, of the income. What, what's yeah. your experience of that when it comes to sort of burnout and, and the impact of that? I think there's definitely, there, there definitely needs to be empathy towards the partner that's not the primary breadwinner, um, as you say, because this can lead to um, self-esteem. Mm. And I guess depending on the circumstances surrounding the reason that, that the you know, one person is the primary breadwinner, mm. that determines how it's managed. Mm. So, for example, if it's a, a shock situation where someone's, you know, being made redundant, then I think... That, yeah, there needs to be support and empathy for that particular person and say, okay, well, you're not working, so, you know, your new role is spending an hour or so each day looking for work, networking, and, you know, you will add value to the family and the relationship by doing these, okay, they're unpaid, but they're still incredibly important and incredibly valuable. Yeah. And I think, again, yeah, supporting and empathising is so critical to, to navigate through that. I agree. I think it's often, you know, sort of those situations, you're actually on the same team and you're trying to create the same outcome as a couple. And, you know, I think I would be permanently kind of thinking about, well, how can we create a win-win with this? How can I win, but you also win? Mm. And therefore there's not that the opposite, which is win-lose, right? Which is that perception that, you know, you're the one who's kind of getting all the accolades and the recognition. Because I think that's the other piece is if, you know, if the primary breadwinner is at work and the other partner is not, that person can feel very unrecognised. Yes. Um, and that can also sort of exacerbate that problem. Yeah. So let's just talk about some tips, if you like, because we're all about practicality here at Illuminate. Sure, sure. You know, if you could sort of share three sort of top health tips, if you like, for women who are in this situation, who are kind of earning the lion's share of income, but feeling that stress, feeling that sort of exhaustion and that sort of overwhelm, what sort of practical tips could you share, Sally? My, my best suggestion is, and I'm, I'm such an advocate, I know I've said it throughout the, the, um, the interview, uh, Rebecca, but I am just such an advocate of open conversation. Yeah. And to, to use the expression, no elephants in the room. Everything needs to be addressed. It might be a challenging conversation and a conversation that brings out vulnerabilities, but I think through those conversations you become a stronger team yeah and and the outcomes then you know support both people 
So I think it's really important to for both partners to express how they're feeling and if they're feeling insecure, as you said, low self-esteem, that needs to be managed. For avoiding or yeah, avoiding burnout, I think it's so important to acknowledge that you're not superhuman, that you cannot do everything. Mm. And you you need to be supported as well. Um, just because you're working doesn't mean that you're not, you know, giving your all at work and then trying to fill multiple roles. So yeah. I think seeking the support from your partner first and foremost um, to manage the, the situation is critical. Mm. Can I add something to that? Because I've got a yeah. experience that I think is really relevant to that because I'm definitely one of those women who tries to do everything and tries to, you know, make everyone happy. Um, and I've definitely become far better in my 40s at sort of having those boundaries and being very clear with people about what's okay and what's not okay. But the big lesson that I learned with my husband, because my husband is extremely good around the house and he's great with the kids. He's it's very kind of equal in that respect. And I learned a big lesson that was you've got to kind of give them the opportunity also to shine and to do their thing and to help you because they actually do want to help you. And, you know, it's kind of often down to you, I think, to make that decision to let go and just to say, actually, somebody else could do this just as well as I could. And even if they don't, that's okay. But welcome them in and give them the chance to do it. Because I think through my personal experience, I think a lot of the kind of women uh, role models in my life have kind of been like that and have been very efficient with the children. And it's kind of like this, sometimes a kind of unconscious bias that the men can't do it. Yeah. You know, certainly when it comes to looking after the children, they often prove you wrong. I think, you know, when you kind of just let go, um, then I think that's the, um, I think that's the kind of critical thing. You've got to give yourself a break and give them a break also sometimes and just see, let them do it. And if they do it a different way, they do it a different way. That's a very valid point, Rebecca. Letting go of this is how it needs to be done. And that taps into to another subject that I'm quite passionate about, which is perfectionism. Yes, which we'll and, talk about in another episode. I'm really <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> um, that's a whole new um, subject. So just as you say, just letting go and acknowledging that they can do it. You've just got to give them the opportunity. Yeah. And the power of delegation. I'm a big advocate too of empowering children to you know contribute to the household. Yes. Learn, learning, you know, learning by example. So, you know, a, a son sees their dad helping contribute to the family, making a meal, you know, doing, make, doing the washing, making beds, things like that. Yeah. Um, it's not just women's work. Yeah. We're all capable. Yeah, I think just delegating and, and empowering for sure. The next tip I, I am just, I, I don't let any client leave my program without um, creating one of these is creating a ritual that is just for you. And by this, I don't mean that you need to spend hours in a day spa, you know, once a week or twice a week, because let's face it, that's beautiful, but it's not realistic. Mm. Um, and it's also not everyone's thing, I've learned. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. So my, um, my best solution that tends to surprise those ladies that haven't done it and taps into the ladies that love it um, but have forgotten how to do it is just taking a walk in nature. So whether you're at home or you're working in, in the office, it's quite different now, so there's probably a combination. Just taking a walk and, and heading to the nearest park 
Mm. You know, whether you sit in the park for 10 minutes or you, you just walk, no devices, just listen to your surroundings and breathe. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, very, very, very simple. But I just think, and I've been guilty of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm far from perfect. So, um, and it is a conscious thing, but I do encourage women and certainly my clients to schedule that in daily. Yeah. And that's just not negotiable. That just happens. It's like a meeting for yourself to... It's um, in perspective, doesn't it? Sort of a grounding yeah, experience. And it just, very much so. Everything that seemed to be so important five minutes ago at your desk when you were sort of stressing, suddenly when you're in that space, feels sort of less significant yeah. and has less of a hold on you. Yeah, I think that's a, such a good tip. And just disconnecting from, you know, your desk, your colleagues, your space, mm-hmm. technology. It just has an amazing ability to refresh. Yeah, I love that. And ironically, that sort of gives you the control back. It does. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the only of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And the third tip I'm a big advocate of is finding a support person potentially like yourself or myself, Rebecca, that is outside the family, outside the friend network, so you can express, vent, download, however you choose to term, um, emptying your head of thoughts with someone that is is completely removed from your day-to-day life and and yet you're safe and it's confidential. And I, I am a big advocate of that. So even when, my, when I work with clients and finish a program, I tend to do a check-in call with them once a fortnight and just say, how are you going? How are you managing with that downtime? Because it is, as adults, we don't tend to have that. You know, as children, we've got lots of different avenues to, um, for support. But I think yeah. as adults in an objective forum where there's no agenda, especially in the acute phases. Once you've created the routine and, you know, you're on your way and you can identify the triggers, I think it's better. Mm -hmm. But certainly in that acute phase, I think it's so helpful to have that support. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Because I think a lot of women, certainly, you know, in the corporate space, well, not just certainly in the corporate space, but I think a lot of women feel judged, whether it's by society or whether it's, you know, by the people around them. And it's difficult to speak up. You know, because when you do speak up, then there's that going to be that that repercussion, that judgment, that criticism. You're not coping. You're obviously not, you know, able to manage this team or whatever it might be, which is obviously yeah. nonsense. But there's that kind of innate fear in you that you don't want to reach out. So I think having that non-judgmental external space, just to be honest about what's working and what's not working, is really it's so important for our sanity. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Sally, thank you so much for sharing your insights um, today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you and um, I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure and I do hope that what we've discussed does provide some positive messages and some tips on how to navigate. It absolutely will, I can guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's conversation with Sally. If you want to connect with Sally, you can. Just head to the show notes for this episode and you'll be able to download her burnout assessment. Just click the link and you'll be able to get straight into that assessment. Also, if you're feeling that level of stress and you're looking for more support in your life and in your career, then 
Click the link also in the show notes to join our Facebook group. It's an incredible group of supportive women where we not only talk about the rational side and building our careers, we also look at the emotional side and building you and helping you lead your best life. And of course, there's also a link in the show notes to -to one-to-one support. If you want one-to-one coaching or just want to have a conversation with me about a current challenge that is really holding you back in your career and you want some advice and some movement forwards on that, click the link there as well. You can get a 15-minute introductory strategy call with me and within 24 hours, you could be in my diary. I so look forward to seeing you soon and I definitely look forward to seeing you next week on next week's episode. (laughs) 